Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Fly 008-051-BHM. You listen new to the Out of Home Podcast. You're listening to the Out of Home Podcast. Are you locked into the Out of Home Podcast? You're listening to the Out of Home Podcast. Featuring Kieran, Kwame, Yaf and Stephen. You London boys are crazy. Welcome to Forever Forwards. Throughout the month of October, which is Black History Month in the UK and Black Achievement Month here in the Netherlands, we'll be sharing conversations that we've had with a few dope guests tapping into their experiences of living, working and thriving as a black person in society. For us, we really wanted to use these conversations to celebrate the progressive mindset of the black community and champion some of those people who are trailblazing in their specific fields. Our next guest is Franklin Boateng, a.k.a. the King of Trainers. We speak to him about culture, sneakers, lifestyle, community. This man is a teacher, connector, consultant and author. This is a dope conversation and we hope you enjoy it. Yeah. I hate He's those about ones, that. I hate it. Yeah, yeah. So like... um. But yeah, I'm going to kick it over to Key to get it booming with his oh, words because I can't do that. I thought you was going to do yeah. that. It, it doesn't sound the same. When someone sets a bar so high, like... No, what do you mean, yeah. man? You got it, bro. You've done it twice now. you got to just keep on doing it. But guess what? I'll do it. Get me. Yeah. All right, cool. Welcome to the Out of Home podcast, a show brought to you by four Londoners living in Amsterdam, capturing and sharing stories of inspiring people while sharing our own. And with me, I have my brothers, them. I have Stephen. I've got Yaf. And Kwame, and joined with us today for our Forever Forward series is Franklin Boateng, the king of trainers. Make some noise Jeez. for the man. Well, man. No, I'm here. I'm here. How are you, lot? We're all good, bro. We're good. I mean, the clocks have gone back. Have so, they? Yeah, bro. After yes. days, fam. <laughs> no, no I, way, I only clocked. I only clocked earlier on today. It must have been about five, yeah. And I looked at my clock. I was like, <gasps> I'm late. I'm like I'm late. I'm late for this recording. Wait, so when did they go back? <laughs> I like yeah, yeah. free, free. Oh my days, Kieran, you're smart. You know, man said I clocked the time. You're a smart guy, bro. I don't know if you meant that, but you're come way, on, man. Way come on, man. I'm a wordsmith. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm a wordsmith. But um, obviously, Franklin, um, as we mentioned before, this is our Forever Forward series where we're talking to black people that are doing dope shit in their industries. Um, and before we get into what you actually do, uh, we'd love to just hear from you a little bit, like who you are, what you do, and then we can get into your story and just really build on that, man. Let's go. Oh, thank you so much. No, I really appreciate it. Um, you know, I, I did I did actually watch, I watched one of yours. I watched um, the Coco Mel episode. Oh, that was awesome. sick. sick. Oh. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, you guys are doing some great stuff. Um, yeah, so I'm Franklin, Franklin Boyton, a.k.a. the King of Trainers. Um, I'm what you call a... I don't know, I don't even know what to call myself. I'm just a, <laughs> a lover of footwear. And it's kind of led to me having, um, you know, a bit of a platform to kind of share stories and different things about footwear. I try my, I try to keep myself out of trouble, but I'm always getting myself into trouble with brands. Um, but apart from that, um, I'm a, I'm a teacher and lecturer. I teach digital marketing wow. um, at college level, 
Um, and I'm a consultant as well, so I consult a lot of brands on on different different things, not just in the footwear um, world, but in different other places as well. So, so where are you from, Franklin? Me, um, I'm from I'm from Ghana. Yeah. Uh, my heritage is from Ghana, obviously. Thanks yeah. to Blackstar. Jeez, repping, repping. Blackstar. Um, and uh, yeah, no, I'm from I'm from North London. My office is um, I grew up in in Tottenham. Yeah. Uh, I, I reside in Enfield now, in the leafy part of Enfield. So. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm I'm a Londoner through and through. Dope, man. So like, oh, sorry, you're gonna go? Or... No, I'm, no, that's the yeah, I'm, I'm... I'm dope. Um, so I like for me, yeah, trainers is is just one of them things that I guess defines you. If you're from London, yeah, and from uh, from ends and from uh, no where we're from, then. The trainers that you wear are are, are definitive, <laughs> and they have and have done for a, a very long time. I, I just remember being so young and being like, "Mom, I need these kicks. I need these kicks." You know what I mean? So when when did your uh, affection for trainers like start? Yeah, so I mean, I mean, if it's been a long time, I'm not going to say how old I am in this, but it's, it's been. <laughs> I would say it's 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 the early eighties and um mm. and my my nickname was actually King of Trainers from back then and a lot of wow. people don't know that. So my mum used to love tennis. Mm. Um well she still loves tennis. I mean she loves tennis and it was around the time when Boris Becker was played and he won his first Wimbledon Championship. I actually done a, a, a video about this, but um he won his first Wimbledon Championship. And you know, being the way some you know, like the sport in Africans are is that they look at sports people as the pinnacle of, of everything you buy. Do you yeah, get what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so what would happen is when he won the championship, my mum would then set out to buy me everything that tennis players were wearing because she that was like the pinnacle. <laughs> wow, so, sick, so, sick. Yeah, so like you know, she bought me like a pair of Pumas, which she thought was the Boris Becker ones at the time, and then from there, she just literally would be, be, I'll go to the shop and be like, Mummy. The tennis player wears these ones, and she was like, "Oh, it must be good." And then, <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm finessing in it. Like, I'm yeah. like good trainers. So back in those days, if you had like a name brand pair of trainers, it was something. It was yes. like, and um, from the playground, my nickname's actually been the King of Trainers. A lot of people think it's something that I adopt. No, we said the nicknames from the early eighties. Mm. You know, um, and that's kind of where it really starts. So I mean, I, I give my I give thanks to my mum. To be fair, she's wow. the one. That mm. So you've been laced up. You've been laced up from early. I mean, I'm I'm glad that you you mentioned your mum and your trainers because I remember when I was young one time, yeah, and I did go I did go trainer shopping with my mum, and I was like, all right, look, mum, I need these trainers. Uh, I had my eye on some Air Force ones, and back then they probably must have been about thirty five pound or something. And uh, walked around the shop and all sorts, and then she's like, no, 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 get these, get these. And to be fair, they looked sick, and I got them. And it wasn't until two days later that I went home and looked into the sole. They were women's shoes. But I didn't know they was women's shoes at the time. But you know what I'm saying? But it was peak, man. <laughs> so, whoa. <laughs> now, frankly, what would you say was your biggest, like, finesse? So you said you let you finesse your, your mum for, like, trainers. What would you say was one thing you like? Oh, yeah. man. I mean, I've had a lot of finesses in my time. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, trainer finesses, I don't know. My mum was pretty cool. Like, and I had an older sister that would kind of Sick. back me up. 
But I mean, like, as I grew up, I used to go to the, you know, growing up in Tottenham, I had to kind of keep myself out of trouble. So she mm. sent me to my auntie in Brooklyn, New York, oh, wow. uh, which is a bit... <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. She would be that safer. So every summer holidays, we must still go to America. Wow. And literally, like, that's what happened. America, either um, New York or Toronto, I'm staying with my aunties and um, wow. I'll bring back I'll bring back trainers. That's crazy. How how old were you then when you were going to spend the summer out there? I was about from about 14, 14 for the night. It's about fourteen to nineteen. So like you were you were very much aware of like sneaker culture when you started to like, oh, travel yeah, and stuff. Yeah. yeah. What was that like? Like going because obviously you know when you used to go come back to school after like the summer holidays and be like, where are you got trainers from? These times you got them from market, but you told everybody you got them from America. Yeah, import. But you were really getting it from America. So what was that like? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, literally, you know, and that's what used to happen. So all the older kids in, in secondary school, like, you know, the summer holidays, as soon as play, like the playtime, the, the bell goes, yeah. all the kids are coming to my classroom. What's Franklin wearing? What's Franklin wearing? And, and that literally, like, when I tell people, they're like, what? Like, but you can you can ask my friends. I've got, I've got pictures to prove it and stuff. So, wow. like, you know, people, and that's kind of how my nickname kind of developed. And it was a local thing because the internet wasn't around. So only people in my school and my friends would know what it was, mm. you know. But it was, yeah, it was, it was back then. Back then, you had, if you had a nice pair, you were the, you were the guy. You were like... Of course. Yeah, you were <laughs> the king, so to speak. All to now, like, if I, like, I don't care too much about trainers that much, but you have to keep it. You just have to stay fresh, though. Do you know what I mean? Mm. You just got to stay fresh. A hundred percent. Indeed. Exactly. Back then it was the Write On magazine. Write On magazine and Source magazine. So we're talking... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. so Write On, my sister used to love Write On magazine. Um, and sometimes you'll get smash hits, you know, um, and that was a British version, and we'll just look at the pictures, you know, so every time we'll get a magazine, we'll cut out pictures, literally cut out the pictures of the trainers, go to the shops in the States and show them the pictures, and they'll be like, oh, yeah. You crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. So, so we used to do a lot of crazy stuff like that, you know, and um, and that was really where I'll get my inspiration. I'll be looking at the magazines, you know, to the point that, like, I, w- I was actually reselling before I knew what reselling was, you know. Mm. So my friends would literally, every time I'm going, they'll give me like £100. They save up all, all year to get me the money. <laughs> you know, they'll give me the money. Um, like cut out a picture from the magazine and say, oh, I want these ones. I'll go, I'll yeah. go to the shop, get, get it back. And back then, the, the exchange rate was so good. So yeah, double it up nicely. Nearly one. So I was told them it's $100. And they'll be like, oh, no, keep, keep the change. So they didn't, they didn't know, no one knew the exchange. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I knew from young, but they didn't know. So, you know, wow. and I was, I was just literally, so I'll end up getting my place for free. And um, yeah, so that's kind of how it, how it all started, you know. Yo, Franklin, I wanted to ask you about like sneaker culture in like the, in the black community, because like, obviously like, yeah, North London and that, but like, I remember going like Frinsley Park and, you know, you have that moment where you might be walking opposite someone and you kind of like, obviously do the screw face or the stare, but then all of a sudden they stare at your feet and they're like, ah, they'll just pay you a compliment. Yeah, you get the nod or you just get the, um, or just get the nod or just like, where'd you get those from? Yeah. And then it just like, 
that feeling it just cuts through all the all the tension like back then you're like oh what's gonna happen here it's just like and and that's that's how I used to diffuse a lot of things back in the day because oh, I wow yeah I mean you know one thing about about black people especially back in those times is everything's always like aggressive like we, we're always like ah oh, why is that person looking at me and stuff and I used to we go up to people and just be like yo your trains are dope show them just pay someone mm-hmm. a compliment you know you the minute you pay someone a compliment it just takes all it's the awesome. kind of frustration yeah, it takes it all away, you know. And and I'll be honest, back in those days, I used to wear the trains to get the girls. Of course. <laughs> of course. You know, one it was a girl to say my trainings were nice. <laughs> and I'll, tell you, I'll tell you a little secret. I used to always go for the women's colours. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I would go for the women's colours and the girls would be like, yo... Like, they'll come up to you. So that's kind of, you know, but it diffused a lot yeah, of things. Man. Just paying someone a compliment can diffuse a lot of, a lot of, you know. So yeah. Would you would you say that um, sneaker culture was what it is now? Like, obviously now it's hugely commercialised. You know, you just spoke about cutting stuff out of magazines and showing people that worked in the stores. Now, you see a picture of a shoe, there's a link immediately because these brands want you to cut <laughs> that shoe straight away. It's like so advanced. But, you know... Back in those times, obviously, it wasn't as um, accessible as it is now, right? Like, and I think that's where hype culture started from because there's a lot of people just following what the cool trends are. But back in those days, it was very sort of underground, I'm assuming. So, yeah, I'm just interested to know what the culture was like back then, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I, I say fortunately, unfortunately and fortunately because we're living in a different time. So for the young people, this is that thing like, oh, I've seen the link for it. And let's and let's go and, and and purchase it, but back in you know the the eighties and nineties, it was it was like a kind of secret society. If I'm if mm. you know, but it, was, yeah. it wasn't it wasn't like like mass. But you knew if someone was into trainers, you kind of knew it the way they laced it up. You kind of felt it, you know. Yeah, and only a, a very handful amount of shops that you can kind of get stuff from. Do you get what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and sometimes the imports were ridiculous prices. But if you wanted to be fresh, you had to pay those prices. But I mean, I'm not mad at at what what's happening now because we just got to adapt. Sometimes, you know, we got mm-hmm. to kind of move forward. But it, it is frustrating when you just can't get the shoe that you want to buy. You, you know, yeah, because oh. the, the yeah the thing I miss more is discovery because mm-hmm. you didn't know when the new shoe was coming out. You just go to maybe Cobra Sports or or, yeah. or Mr. Oblique Sports or Olympus, and you go and see the shoe on the shelf and be like, yo, they're out. You know, you didn't even know. Like, oh, true. God. Like, you Crazy. run. Yeah, but nah, it, it's hard to get that feeling back because there's so much out there. Yeah. You know, so. It's true, actually. It's true. I remember my, like, so I, I, I never really, like, collected shoes when I was younger. But when I started working at Nike in the store, like, Jays were obviously, like, coming back around and that. And I remember coming to work one day and um, I'd never bought a pair of Jordans before, innit? And um, I think someone was like, oh, yeah, they got True Blues here. And I was like, oh, cool, that's all right. And I, re- and, and bro, I remember, like, looking at it, I was like, actually, I like these. They were, like, 105 they were like 105 with discount of like 65. I got my first pair of Jordans for like 65 here, but I would not know that they were out. I just had to, I happened to come to work and was like, oh shit, they're here. They're available. Let me just get them. Now? Do you think I could do that now? Yeah. No way. That, no way. that sneakers app is an L. Yeah. <laughs> Major L. 
Sorry, sorry. <laughs> and then, and then, frankly, from that like culture, obviously, it's it's like evolved, and then um, and brands like you mentioned have got more more internet. What would you say um, in terms of like looking back? What were the sneakers that really defined uh, culture or like really a culture shift, would you say? Because like, Ooh, I think everybody yeah. remembers like Run DMC um, kind of kicking it off. But like for you personally, what, would, I won't give you an amount to say, but like what were the trainers that really like typified a culture? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So I was, you know, I was, I'm a, I'm a bit, I'm a bit, I was in that, that old era. So, I mean, in the 80s, to be, be honest, Reebok and Puma were really killing it. You know, in the UK, like before Nike really got yeah. in, you know, before Reebok, Michael Jordan, yeah, yeah, Reebok mm. and, and Puma and Adidas was really doing bits in the UK in London. Um, you know, my first real pair was probably a pair of Pumas. Um, I've actually got a picture of those, uh, and then it was like Reeboks. And then I think the defining moment is when the Air Max One came, and the the the, the, the window was so big. You know, you could, the window's like the size of your finger, like yeah, yeah, yeah. And that that was a real like ooh, like Nike is really you know. But in the eighties, I would say the early eighties, Nike wasn't really they weren't really in it in London in the UK like that. Do you get what I mean? You know, and it wasn't until like I would say about 80, 89, 90 is when the Jordan fours actually came to the UK. The Jordan ones weren't available only on import, you oh, know, um, and specialist shops. So that's kind of, you know, and we never used to get basketball coverage like that, you know. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. We had, we had an ITV Sports, or we had a, a, a <laughs> television, or we had NBA Jam back in those days. But um, yeah, and it, yeah, so I mean, uh, in terms of trainers, I would say definitely Pumas and Adidas and, and Reebok, Reebok definitely. And then I would say in terms of silhouettes, the Air Max 1, then the 90s and it was the pop in bright colors and then through the night through the the two the 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 90s era it was having the best nights if i'm honest like yeah. mm. had to have the most expensive nights in the 90s era you know and that was kind of they dominated the 90s you know i just just had like an interesting thought yeah and it only just came to me now mm. do you think like the, the success of nike during the 90s was because of the fact that American culture was so dominant. This is like a new emerging American brand. Everyone wants to be seen as cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think it was just like right time, right moment for Nike? Indeed, 100%. You know, they they done some just amazing product placement. You know, at the mm. time, the Fresh Prince had just launched. Yeah. Spike Lee had just done his movies. Then you had the Jordan adverts and Jordan was actually winning. You know, but Jordan wasn't winning championships. People don't know that Jordan didn't win his first championship until like 92 or 92. Yeah, something like that. So he wasn't even winning championships, but he was just good. And they really picked some really good people to kind of just align themselves with. And then by aligning themselves, it really kind of took a a life of its own. Um, And what I did notice is they just had the right colours, you know, because it was like, it was just bright colours and everyone loves bright colours. And when they came, it was like a, it was like a, a moment. Oh, the new Air Max is out. You know, it was one of those ones. Like, you know, I used to go down to the JD Sports in, um, I think the first one in London was in the Plaza in uh, in West End. Wow. It was the Plaza in West End, I think the first one. Um, and then they opened the second one, which was actually on Oxford Circus, you know. Mm. So, yeah, I used to go down and just wait and just be like, you know. But before then, it was Olympus Sports. Olympus Sports used to dominate. Olympus Sports. Dominate. Yeah, they were. 
the biggest the biggest shock that day. Interesting. And, and then do do you think there's a reason like or obviously we know the reason, but I find it interesting that like when Nike was coming up, they kind of like partnered with um with like either black creatives or black athletes. So like, uh, do you just want to talk about like sneaker culture and the black community specifically? Yeah. So, I mean, it's no, it's no, it's no, um, you know, mistake that they did that because they saw the shift in street culture. Like, cause being in New York in the early nineties, it was cultures are like street culture, a real thing. Do you get what I mean? Like, you know, people, people like you go to certain places in Canal Street or somewhere like, it's a real fashion show. You go and be like, people will be wearing, dripped out in like, like tracksuits, feeler tracksuits, Sergio Sashini, Puma, like they'll dripped out, you know? So the culture, the, 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 the street culture defined what I believe is everything that's happening now. Yeah. So I think Nike saw that and they saw, ooh, these kids are the ones that are setting the trends for the suburban kids. So let us align ourselves with these guys. Do you get what I mean? Mm. And it was, it was, uh, it was, it was genius. It was genius. I mean, I think they definitely took a, a leaf out of Adidas's book because Adidas was really the first to really align themselves with, um, with black people in, in the way of Run DMC. But mm. when Nike did it, you know, it was just, it was just magic. They just really just had things in place, you know, and, 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 you know, if, you know, without me getting too, too deep, a lot of their shoes, like Air Force One, was primarily used by drug dealers because it was a nice flat shoe that you can you can just stand up all day in. Do you get what I mean? <laughs> a premium cushioning, boy. <laughs> premium cushioning. Yeah, they're peddling your shit. That's it. Yeah, they're called uptowns because in Manhattan, yeah. and people know that Harlem's connected to Manhattan. That's this uptown. And a lot of those guys used to wear the uptowns because that's that's the that's the hustlers. The hustlers used to wear uptowns. Mm. So it was. It's just a. It's a. It's an institution, you know. And I think mm. black people adopted it because I think also the price points as well. Nike were very strategic in just putting their price a little bit higher, you know. And back in those days, you just wanted to make be, it aspirational, innit? Yeah, you yeah. wanted to have what was the most expensive thing, you know, especially in London. You had to have the new TNs. You had to have the new Air Maxes because that showed, oh, he's doing Money something. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's yes. a bit of a false, you know, uh, uh, you know, history, like, mm. you know, but yeah. at, back then you didn't care. You just wanted the, the, the most expensive thing. Yeah, no, it's interesting to hear you say like how street culture really defined uh, everything from from the drip. And when I look at it now, because I was wondering like, uh, could everybody will come up and just say like, okay, black people are so cool. And I was just kind of like, where did that kind of kick off? Because like, you know, like there's all other types of people, but like for, for as long as I've been alive, like whenever you want to either sell something, make something look drippy or cool, you need, you need, almost need a black person. I'm like, yeah. how did this, it's just we just born trippy. Like. <laughs> it literally is that. I mean, what you have to also understand, it's embedded, I'm not going to get too deep, but it's embedded yeah. in slavery, right? Because mm. when you actually think about it, we were always held back. Yeah. Do you know mm. what I mean? So by being held back for so many years and then you get an opportunity to, to actually... Express yourself. Exactly. Mm. Express yourself. You're going you're gonna to ball out. Yeah. You know, especially in America, like, you know, America was really suppressed like people understand that America was suppressed to the point that black people couldn't go into certain shops to buy nice things. Do you see what I'm trying to say? Okay. So the minute that 
you know, things started to lift, you know, in, in the 70s and, you know, because, and then like the 80s and black people started to get good money. They, they, they took it to another extreme, you know, they took it, they wanted to dress as fly by the best things. And, and that was always kind of the way. So it's embedded. I I think it's embedded in our DNA. I personally believe. I think yeah. it's in our DNA. Yeah. I think it's so dope that you can um, connect those two worlds because, mm. I don't think anyone else would have even just had that perspective to do that. But it really just goes to show your your knowledge and how nuanced it is, man. Um, but obviously, you did, you wasn't just born like this. Like you didn't just know about trainers from the day from the day you were born. Like how did that sort of transition? Because you spoke about you know being that guy that would come to the playground with wavy kicks, and then people would pay you to go back to America yeah. and, and bring some. Like what happened between then and and where you're at now? Like what was that? What was that journey? So I mean, you know, back in the back in the eighties, we never used to know the things about the product numbers or the, all that sort of stuff. We just used to see the sports people, and it was mainly tennis. Before football and basketball, it was tennis. Like yeah. the tennis players were the superstars. Stan Smith and all those guys were massive. Do you get what I mean? You know, and that's probably why you know Jordan's agent actually modelled Jordan off over a ten, like a tennis player, and so. Well, I mean, back then, it was really about the, the shoe, the tennis player, and the look. But then transcending, the minute, I'll be honest, the minute, like, the internet came around, you kind of started to get more information about the actual development of the shoe, you know? And then when you got more information about the development of the shoe, you know, oh, so that's the model number, and then that's the such and such, you know what I mean? You know, but I mean, from where I'm from, from like, a, I would say, like, a, 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 a kind of street person, it was never about, oh, I had to have the such and such model number. It was about the, the shoe itself. It was more about yeah. oh, mm. the colour and, do you get what I mean? Mm. And then the internet, yeah. I mean, the internet did help. And I was, I've always been one to kind of learn and research and read. And I, I don't know everything, but my knowledge did kind of get up there to actually understand what makes, what goes into making these shoes cool and and and, and how many times they came out and, you know, in the production and all that sort of stuff as well. Mm. So... I think it's the internet. I mean, you had forums like Crooked Tongues and stuff like that, and people shared. Yeah, true. And then, um, you know, it, it, it really kind of went from there. Sick, man. Um, have you ever been stung? Whilst you, have you ever bought shoes and been like, yo, oh, these are fake? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Talk about that for a second. Talk about that for a second. Man. Oh, recently, I bought a pair Sit of down. shoes. Yeah. Yeah. Under, you know, I don't buy online. I used to sell a lot on eBay, but I'm not going to yeah. get But I don't buy online as much because I know how many fakes are out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I put a pair. I put a pair of Yeezys because I had I had the Yeezys when they first came out, and unfortunately, I sold them. Um, I the Belugas. <laughs> no, I had no. I had um, the Nike Yeezys. Oh, okay, 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 okay. okay. Wow. Oh snap! I had the Platinums. I had yeah, I had them all. Jeez. And um, I sold them, so I was like, oh man, I need to I need to get get my the, the, the Yeezys back. So I, I went I went on eBay. I saw a price. You know they were they were worn, but the price was still too good. Yeah. Mm. And then I was like, okay, let me just let me just let me just buy it. So I bought them now, and you know instantly, like, so you ask you ask questions to the person, and you're like, yo, he got a receipt, and he's like, oh no, I threw the receipt away and all that sort of stuff, and yeah, and I'm like, okay, maybe, but you still give it a chance. And I hate buying from eBay because I know there's so many fakes. Sorry, no offense get eBay. I know. <laughs> I love you guys. It's all good. But, but then it was, it really was 
the way the person sent them. So the person actually sent these in a, you know, a ream of paper, you know, the ream of paper when you get the full, like you get like a whole box of, and it's a ream of paper. So you've got 500, like you've got four reams of paper and you get a full box. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. He sent it in one of those. <laughs> so as soon as I got it, like, like I had it open a box and I kind of knew, I said, well, I don't see these. Like, because if something is real, you have yeah. a certain value over something, you know. Yeah. So he sent it in one of those boxes. So I, I'm like, you know, this must be fake. I hope oh, my days. And then instantly I saw... I was like, nah, these are fuck, like, you know, but I, I, as soon as I saw them, I messaged the guy, I was like, bro, these are fake, man. Yeah. Like, you know, don't, you know, they were good fake, but they were fake. And I went to one of my friends who works for a, a, a like authentication company and um, he said, he was like, yeah, you know, and I knew straight away. So I just emailed the guy and I was like, look, bro, you know what time it is. And yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, um, he oh, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I sent them back and he refunded straight away. It was no, no funny bit. So I was, I was, wow. you know, touch wood, very lucky. Mm. But, you know, and I, it's funny, but I'm very, I preempt stuff. So I actually already had done a video in case he wasn't going to give me the refund to expose him. Do you know what I mean? Oh, shit. Reactions. <laughs> I was already ready. It was ready. That, that diss track. That yeah, diss track. Was, yeah, it was, it was a diss track. <laughs> Was that part of the email? Is that why I gave you a refund? (laughs) Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. If you don't give me my money back. Wait, <laughs> <laughs> second clip here. <laughs> uh, I, had, I had a little dress anyway, so it's all good. It's all good. I wouldn't, you know. He would have no, been. Go on, Stephen, sorry. No, I was just going to say, Frank, outside, um, well, still within the trip sneaker community, uh, I don't know if many people know this, but you actually do like a lot of work work in terms of like community. I think you had a project with Healing Souls and stuff like that. Um, do you just want to touch on like what moved you to get involved in that and um, how it started? Well, Which is amazing, I mean, by the way. Yeah, thank man. you so much. Well, away from away from um, Instagram and internet, I've always done stuff for, for for communities. I mean, growing up, like one of the biggest fights I used to have with my dad is my dad used to always send my, my, my old trainers to my cousins in Ghana, mm. you know, because it was... <laughs> oh, yeah, the, the, the ones. No, and I'm, like, literally, when I think about the, some of the stuff he sent to them, I'm, I want to cry because they'll be worth a lot of money now. But, you know, I'm not there. And then around about 2009, I went to Ghana. Um, I, I, you know, I gave away, oh, man, to a school. I gave probably 100 pairs away to a school. Mm. Wow, you know? that's amazing. 
prior internet, no pictures taken and all that sort of stuff. So I've always been involved in that. And then, um, you know, when I when my platform grew bigger and, and things like that, my friend, um, um, the word in a feet, shout out Chris, he, um, he has a, a charity called Healing Souls. So they would actually, the, the purpose of it, they would give um, trainings to underprivileged people all over the world. So they've mm-hmm. done Haiti, Mauritania, um, French, the French jungle, um, Morocco. Wow. They've given trainers to people all over the world. And we really kind of, so I support that, um, you know, and I also support another group of guys called Resoul. Um, they, they're based in Brixton, actually. Um, they give they give trainings to underprivileged people. And and even when Grenfell happened, like, I, I, I gave 100, we managed to collect 100 pairs of trainers and clothes. We gave them to the Grenfell, mm. um, which unfortunately we heard that, it got taken to a storage, then got sold on, you know, so. Oh, wow, just, man. Yeah, because the stuff, we, I mean, Puma gave us a lot of stuff and, you know, and even also Nike used to used to have a bin in Nighttown for us. Yes. Wanna, yeah, yeah, we used to have a bin in Nighttown, Healing Souls bin. And, um, I mean, I'm always, like, I, I do a lot for chat. And, and I don't put everything I do out because I, I sometimes I don't think it's for the gram in that respect. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, respect that. Yeah, every Christmas we we give a hundred pairs to homeless. We we do a lot. We do a lot away because you know I always say that to get blessed you have to give. Like yeah, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm blessed, so I just I just give. We give. We do a lot away away from from from, from Instagram. Exactly. There's two okay. things I wanted to mention, man. Like the first one, I think it's so dope when you can combine your actual passion with. I don't even want to call it charity work, but like just good work and good deeds mm. in it. Yeah. It's sick. Like you can. Leverage the thing that you know and love the most to help someone else. I just think that's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. And um, the second thing, you've mentioned your platform quite a lot. You mentioned like before the internet, you was doing stuff. Um, do you just want to talk a little bit about how you managed to grow your platform and how it came about? Like, I remember reading something about you. Obviously, we like to do our research out here, international podcasters. <laughs> and I saw on, something... IP, IP, IP. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> I saw something that you said that was pretty sick and it was... Um, you should be on. You should be on social media to be social, like talk, engage and talk to people, which I think is pretty dope. Usually, when people have a big following, you know their ratio is usually mad shit. Like they think the mm. man's not gonna follow this guy back or whatever. Like you know, it's it's very. Um, I don't even know the it's word fickle. to describe it. Yeah, but you come across as someone who genuinely has yeah. cultivated this community and is very willing to engage with them. I'm sure that's a big part of your success, but just really curious to hear about your journey through mm-hmm. social media and the platform that you've built now. Thank yeah. you. No, I appreciate that. No, and um, yeah, so I'll, I'll go a bit, a, a bit, a bit back. So when, you know, I, because I had, I had, a, I had different businesses through the, 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 the OOs. I, I, I missed the, I was on the MySpace era. I was on like all the little social networks and stuff, but then I missed the Facebook era to, to, to a certain degree. Because I, I was, I had different companies, and um, then when it came to like Twitter, so I registered the, the King of Trainers on Twitter, um, and I was just chatting crap on Twitter about trainers and just stuff like that. You know, I had my own social network, and I used to talk about that trainers and stuff. And um, and it wasn't until I would say JD Sports, um, you know, they wrote me. Basically, they they tried to to, to take me to court for having cease and desist. Yeah, yeah. So. I went. I went through. I went through a little. I'm not. I won't get. We're cool now. I mean, I just finished a campaign for them actually, so we're cool. I'm cool. But, but, um, <laughs> but literally, so we um we went through a little back and forth, and then they kind of said, "Nice, no, cool. We're gonna. We're not gonna pursue it any longer." Um. So from there, I was looking at how to expand my brand 
in, in that respect. I had myself, so how can I, you know? And I was always known as Franklin the sneakerhead. I was always known as Franklin through the, the, the people and all that, but not the king of trainers. So then I went to um, a, a, a sneaker event, a trainer event, and I, I put a crown on. And people were like, why you got a crown on? What are you doing? Like, they were really offended. And I was like, <laughs> well, I, I was explaining the story. And they're like, oh, we didn't know that. Wow. We didn't, you know, that's a crazy story. And then I said, what platform can I use to really kind of amplify this King of Trainers thing? So I took to Instagram. And when I... When I started Instagram, in, in, like when it started, like early 2000s, I actually registered King of Trainers a year after Instagram started. So I was like, "Oh, it's still there. Okay, let me just <laughs> let me just go." Sick. And I, I literally would be back then. I'd be posting twenty pictures a day, um, like crazy work rate. Twenty, yeah. So Shit. I was posting twenty pictures a day for three years straight before I got my first brand kind of holler at me. And I was doing like news reviews. I was just doing news, news, news. That's like consistent like just every day just banging it out wow and i think as an individual i was the first individual person to get over a hundred thousand followers wow yeah, really yeah in terms of wow, the sneakers the sneakers community yeah wow yeah the first individual person you know to get over a hundred thousand before, before charlie sloth and all those guys and then and uh, and then what happened? I don't know. The algorithms changed, and then people started, you know. And then I, I got into so many di- di- online little things, and people started reporting my account and all that sort of stuff. But you know, it's still all good. I mean, and that's kind of really how how it grew. But I I remember mm. when I first started, I did actually write letters to all the brands. Mm. I wrote emails to every brand. Said, look, I want to start this thing. I want to review trainers. I literally got ignored by everybody. I got ignored like properly, like. You know, people felt offended that I was actually emailing them because they were like, who are you? You're, who are the king of trainers? They're not, you know. And was, yeah, people got offended. And then, um, you know, God being so good, I've, I've been paid by near enough all the brands. <laughs> so, <laughs> so sick, bro. What yeah, a turnaround, isn't it? Yeah, so, yeah, that's kind of how, 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 it, how it came about. Then, um, frankly, I just want to, so you've obviously been to America, see the community there, the sneaker community there. Obviously, we had what um, happened with uh, George Floyd and um, 2020 has been a mad year. Like, and we now know like a lot of brands now trying to like build communities of their own. Like, in, in your opinion, like, what does it take to build a genuine community? And then what would you like to see in the future for the black community? Like, obviously, we're going to go through some changes. Like, what would you like to see on those two aspects? I mean, to be honest, I think you to build a real community, you have to be sincere, um, and you really just have to be consistent. You know, a lot of brands have have thrown out crazy figures of what they want to do, crazy money, saying, "Oh, I want to support this, I want to support that." But where is it? Where's the evidence? And where's the consistency? Because if you look at, if you look, probably like four months ago, three months ago, everything was about black empowerment and stuff like that, and you're like, okay. So you guys have thrown out all of these different figures, these different actions. Let us have access to to it, you know, on the ground level. Do you get what I mean? You know, I've set up something called Creative Union, which I'm developing in the background to have access to this, these types of funds so we can actually do stuff for black organizations, you know, for black people. Do you get what I mean? And I feel that if people really want to build some sort of community for black people or people of color or, or anything in, in, in that space, be truthful and consistent. You get what I mean? You know, you're not going to get it right all the time. And I understand that. No one wants, I don't want it to be perfect, but just be consistent. If you're going to throw this money at us, 
um, what is the agenda? What are we? Mm-hmm. What are we actually doing? Do you get what I mean? Don't just give us money. Like, let us know. Is it going to be a long term situation? Because I feel sometimes when you give people money, it's a quick fix. It's a quick fix yeah. to an uh, underlying issue and problem. And I feel that as black people, um, you know, in different creative industries, we need the opportunity and the education, not from an executive level, because when you actually look at the, the, the whole constructs of the system, that if you look at, like, say you look at sportswear companies, you know, the higher, the upper echelon is already whitewashed. Do you get what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, so what we actually need is what is the entry points to get to that stage? Do you get what I mean? What are the entry points from, from college level, from university 100%. level? 100%. You get what I mean? And then we can start to, start to aspire. You know, I had, I had a, a conversation with one of my OGs and he was like, oh, Frank, man, you've done really well coming from where we come from. You've managed to get into that type of industry. And I said, you see our problem, yeah, is when we had the opportunity, you guys as OGs, you guys were on the streets, what we should have been doing at that time is looking at how to get into the shop, start own shops and start to get up the ladder. So we, so we see more representation. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. You know, and, and unfortunately we never, we never knew or, or knew that there was a career path in working in, working in retail. Do you, do you see what I'm trying to say? Yeah, like, yeah. you know, a lot of my friends worked in Fort Locker and, you know, I even applied for Nighttown. Imagine I applied for Nighttown and I, I got rejected. I applied for Nighttown and got rejected. That's crazy. But, um, but, but we never knew that from a retail standpoint, you can go straight up the, up the echelon. And it's just to, to educate more of us. That's why I do a lot of videos to just give information so we're all educated on, okay, this is what can happen for black people, you know. And and when we get there, just give us the opportunity to prove ourselves. I don't want nothing for free. I think sometimes when you look at the whole Black Lives Matter movement, you see a lot of people talking, oh, this needs to happen, that needs to happen. But what really needs to happen is we don't want anything for free. We want a constructive plan and we want to be positioned in a place where we can just build for ourselves. It's Simple. enablement. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it, yeah. you know. <clears throat> Yeah. And don't, don't, just be sincere. Franklin, that is, <clears throat> sorry, that is an incredible answer. Like, it's yeah, probably man. the most detailed answer around comedians <laughs> that I've heard. Thank you. I, I just think you're sick. Mm, um, thank you. You've got, you know, the, the, your title, King of Trainers, would lead a lot of people, like you said, at that first um, sneaker convention to have a certain perception of you. But actually, you're completely the opposite. You know, like, you, you give to so many people, um, I even wanted to shout out the, the the platform that you have, Footwear Jobs, which yes, is you know, thank you. Yeah, like thank you, you just said, you know, given yeah. given exposure to loads of the different roles within the industry that people may not necessarily have exposure yeah. to or know about, yeah. and I think you're you're trying to create solutions for the problems you just mentioned. So, um, yeah. a big shout out for that. But maybe you could talk a little bit about the the Footwear Jobs page and, and what inspired yeah. you to start that. Thank yeah. you so much. No, and and that's uh, and you know, going back to what you said, I. Unfortunately, with the name King of Trainers, it, it brought a lot of hate. I've been, I get trolled on a weekly basis. I've had racism. I've had so many different things, you know. And when I actually just, when people just follow and listen to me, I'm not what people think I am. But the name obviously builds up that type of impression. 
But what I try to create with things like footwear jobs is literally just the information. You know, I set that up two years ago. I'm actually relaunching it um, um, this within the next um, couple of weeks, actually. I've got someone to help me. Sick. Well, so, you know, all I've realized that's missing from in this creative industry is information. It's not not even the ability. Yeah, all of the, you know, the the young black people working in the stores, working in in the industry, they just need the information. You know, when I I kind of set up footwear jobs, all I said I'm going to do is look at jobs and post them in front of people, you know, because, you know, like, when you look, when you're a young person and you're actually trying to find jobs, especially where where I'm from, and I keep on saying where I'm from because I come from a, um, a place, Tottenham, which is which was seen as a deprived part of London, you know, and a lot of my friends have great abilities to do other part, other you know street work, but one hundred, but they don't have the information put in front of them. So you know, when I we're part of what I do for teaching, I, I set up something called um, social media for employment. So I've done a trial, a trial um, session at Tottenham Job Centre. And what we would do is look at ways people could search for job roles. But sometimes job roles are so intertwined in the websites that you don't even mm. find yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you know, for the person who's not maybe a, 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 as an illiterate, illiterate on, on the computer, you know, like they should be, you, you look and you, you just, you get mind boggled. So I just thought of just simplifying that looking on the, 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 those those roles and just bringing them over to a, a plain, simple platform, you know. I mean, to be honest, I even, I got so inundated, I actually stopped because wow. I, it was, yeah, it was so, I wasn't even ready for the amount of response that I'll be getting. I would get, I'll get like 10 emails a day. I need this job. Can you find it? And I was trying to facilitate a service, but then my other businesses were lacking. So yeah. now that I've got the help, I'm going to be relaunching that properly. So sick, so sick. You know, getting it to the right side stage. I remember my first um, post I did. Foot Locker sent me. A, they were like, "Oh, we, we want to join." You know, and you know, I done some work with them, and then I had to kind of just pull back and be like, "Okay, let me set up this the building blocks correctly." To, to mm-hmm. so sick. Mm. No, I love it, and I think like if we look at the consistent themes of everything you do and everything you've spoken about, mm. it's all about helping people, whether it's Getting someone that flies a pair of kicks from America. Yeah, okay, he was keeping the change, but that's yeah. not everything we're Setting up footwear jobs, teaching, like you said, at a college level. Mm. It's all about, um, I love what you said about information, man, because yeah. as a platform, we totally believe that as well. It's just like mm. seeing to know that you can achieve it, right? Exactly, 100%. Um, and I think what you're doing is playing a really important part um, role within the culture to show people what's possible yeah. and I think it's just it's just sick so shouts out to you man no. it's not really a question it's just a shout out bro. <laughs> no, yeah. no, I, mean, I mean and I always say that you know because growing up like we were always we always didn't understand what information would do for us do you get what I mean like and I was always inquisitive I'm I'm a fidgety person like I, I, I suffer from different I can't keep still so I'm always looking and seeing what I can do to better myself. Do you get what I mean? I love reading um, and I was dyslexic. I'm, I'm, I still am dyslexic. So I always had to try harder to understand things. And then when I got to understand things, I was like, the only thing that's really missing from success is information. That's it. It's, there's no, it's not ability. It's not, 
you know, it's information and hard work, you know. And obviously there are hurdles in terms of, you know, uh, racism and prejudice and all these different things. But when you actually find the information and you put information to work, you're, you're unstoppable. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but unfortunately, we're not given the information clear enough. That's the problem, you know, because because I teach a, a lot of, I've taught in different units, um, you know, of people who get thrown out of school and stuff like that with my friends. And what I've realised is the kids, all they need is something simply explained to them in a way they understand. And so when I started my platform, a lot of people didn't understand. They're like, oh, Franklin, why don't you show your collection? I'm like, nah, that's not, that's not what, you know, let me, let me post up this person's thing or post up this piece of information. Or do you get what I mean? Like I'll post up stuff about giving people information about the footwear. the dots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, literally that. And, you know, I, I, it'll take a lot for me to show my collection. I remember the BBC's hit me up three times. <laughs> and after Swear down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's one time I done it for um I done it for one show where I said you can come to my office and I'll show you a little bit, you know, but I they've tried to come to my house three times and I've said no. You know. Wow. Yeah. Really? Yeah. So if we're talking about collections, like are you are you allowed to disclose yeah. your current I'm, amount? I think that's like a yeah, I think that's a question a lot of people will be saying. Oh, you know what it is? I got a couple of questions, yeah. Go ahead. You know what it is? <laughs> I always say it's quality, not quantity. Mm-hmm. That's what I always say. It's quality, not quantity. Okay. And I remember like, I gave and sold so many pairs. I mean, at one stage, I think I hit 800 pairs. I think oh, so. Okay. I, I, don't, I didn't yeah. count. What? That's more than one pair a, a day yeah. for a year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you could wear, you could wear a different two years, trainer bro. every day for two years but, and um, be calm. <laughs> yeah, but um, now I don't know. I've got, I've, I give away, I've given away so many pairs, wow. like Sick. yeah, phenomenal amounts, like and and so now maybe just a couple hundred. And and let's be honest, like you say, you can't. You can't wear every pair all the time, like you know. So yeah, I, you know, I give away. You know, what what are your top five pairs? Oh wow, that's top that's, five. That's, you yeah. know, top five, top five. What I'm wearing at the moment. Okay, um, okay. So my number one pair right now, my number yeah. one pair right now is my own collaboration with Les that's coming out soon. Sick. So that's, my, that's my number one at the moment. Congratulations, yeah, congrats, man. Dedicated to my mum and all that. So that's my number one. Dope, pair. dope, dope. Well, I mean. I have a lot of favorite pairs. So I love the 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 Air TWs from 8089. Mm-hmm. I love the the Jordan 4s. Um, you know, the Air Max 90s are actually my favorite Air Maxes that people don't know. Sick. And the 95s, you know. So and I love TNs, you know. So but I have so many different pairs. Like a Reebok Classic for me as well. It's like there's a time where you wouldn't catch anyone. So mad. Reebok, like, <laughs> classics, you know, the different ones, like different colorways. The workouts as well. They're the workouts, yeah. isn't it? The workouts, you know. I they mean, were bang oh, it. yeah, they were hard. You know, back in the day, we used to do like, for those of us who had, who were kind of had a little bit of money, we would do like a white pair of workouts and a black pair of workouts and swap the mm. swap. Or your friend might get. A white pair, and you might get any. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you're the same size. So yeah. yeah, you know, it's it's just you know. I mean, they're all my favorites. To be fair, and then um, I was going to ask you, what was the hardest pair for you to find that like you wanted for yourself? Um, it's a good question. Uh, oh man, I, <laughs> there's been so many. Um, 
I don't. Okay, I wouldn't. I don't know if it's the hardest pair to find, but it's probably one of the the rarest pairs of what I have is a Spike Lee signed um, Jordan Four. Oh wow! Damn. Yeah. So so that's so that's kind of that's kind of one of my prized possessions. But it was it was just an opportunity. I remember he came to London to do his film, and my my friends we are probably hosted a show, and I remember. So I I turn up and he's gonna do a, a you know selling his, his his book is she's got to have it and he's selling yeah. his book and I remember like everyone turns up and they got a book and I and I come to the table and I have a pair of Jordans I'm like yo and he's like yo like he's like, crazy like and I side I take a picture and stuff and that that for me was like I was like okay yeah that's you know and then after I did that everyone's taking off their shoes and stuff to get in the side and shit mm. yeah but um that that was probably that's sick man. Sick, 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 sick. Yeah. Quay, are you going to say something? Yeah, sir. My internet is looking a bit, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> no, but frankly, I just wanted to say a few things. A few things you said have resonated with me. You were saying back in the day, like your your your, your dad would go for your collection and randomly hand out um, mm. some of your favorite pairs to you. That happened to me last year, about 2019. He was making his own creative director. I come back thinking I got some shoes fresh for Ghana and they're already somewhere in Achimoto or something. Oh, no. Wow. <laughs> I you pain with that. Oh. No, but I just wanted to say, like, you, 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 you made a great comment. You were speaking to one of your olders, your OGs, and you, and you were telling him that you didn't think that the, the, the right steps were being made. And mm. I think sometimes in our community, you know, we have this phrase, you know, like, we like, would you call it? Oh yeah, the last night that man was man, man was like boiling out. Yeah. Sometimes we can go out of bounds because like yeah. because like we're not trying to build franchises, and yeah. win championships here. Like you know, like we 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 might win a game, but mm-hmm. there's nothing long term. You understand? And uh, I always have this thing like you when you were speaking. I thought of this thing like you know, a lot of times we grind and we stunt and we're working for the shoe. But yeah. I think with what you're doing and the knowledge and things like <laughs> footwear jobs. You're allowing the shoes to work for us, so it can build like a future. Mm-hmm. And so I just wanted to, I just want to like, like, like you acted earlier. I just want to like tip my hat and show the man them will. Like you're, 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 you're doing a lot of great stuff, and it's very inspiring to see. So, thank you. no, yeah, thank you so keep much. It up. Yeah, I mean, no, I really do appreciate that. And 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 you know what's what was was crazy about that is that in the nineties, there were black owners of trainer shops. You know, yeah. in North London. There was two brothers. They had a shop. They had two shops called High Pipe and F and F. And they were, for me, the pioneers of of ownership back then. You know, and I was very, I was young, but I was very like kind of like as people say outside. You know, I would look and study what people were doing to progress. And the unfortunate thing is that a lot of black people back then didn't understand ownership. To, to, you know, to the level that it is now. Do you get what I mean? And if we just held on a little bit and just been like, you know what, let's not stunt as much. Let's not buy the the the, the quote unquote expensive things, and then let's just open a shop. You know, I had I actually had a, a studio in in Woodgreen, a chocolate factory, um, where I used, to, I used to sell I used to sell trainers like some customizers, right? Yeah, yeah. So I had I had um, I used to customize with Diamantes, and I used to sell um, like trainers I'll get from Europe. Like people like Chipmunk and PW and Marvel and Manny Norte and stuff like that. And um I just I just knew back then I should have just transcended that to a shop and just been consistent. Do you get what I mean? 
unfortunately, things like the credit crunch happened and, and mm. kind of, you know, then when I, you know, I had to kind of re- rebalance myself. But I think it's just knowing that, that type of information, you know, mm. but there's never, it's never too late. So whoever's watching this, just, you know, gain as much information as you can to, to go forward and just, just be consistent. Yeah. I love that. Love that. And then um, Franklin, just to like round off, because you've dropped so many gems. I think the last one that we really, really want to hear is just like, uh, what's your vision for like um, the black community and the sneaker community in the future? Because we're already, it's forever forwards. We're looking forward. And we just want to know your thoughts in the future. Yeah, no, thank you. What a great question. I mean, for me, I feel that we need to, we as, as elder people need to educate the young. We need to give them as much education information as possible. Sorry if I keep, I keep on saying information, but that is the key to kind of yeah. how we're going to get past this. Do you get what I mean? You know, because unfortunately we we have grown up not knowing the full scope of where we can go. Do you get what I mean? Like mm. grown up in a, in a way where we didn't know we can be here. Like as we're all speaking here, we never knew this probably like, 15 years ago, whenever, we just probably thought, oh, no. We Trust me. You know what I mean? So once we know, and you guys are perfect examples, actually, you know, leaving the UK and going to, and you know, once that information is so powerful. Do you see what I'm trying to say? Like, so you guys are inspiration. And I feel that you, each of your stories need to be shared more so that people can be like, oh, whoa, I can work for, you know, the night shop and then I can go to, yeah. you know, and that, mm. that, that information going forward is going to help us like tenfold. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? Because when you, when you speak to the young people in the Tottenham or whatever, they don't understand that you can work for a shop, apply for a job and live a life somewhere. You know, they, they actually believe that. They believe Mad. Tottenham is home. Like Tottenham is yeah. all they have. Yeah. Do you get yeah. what I mean? You know, but when you actually explain to them, look, you know, you guys can relocate. You know, you, you try to tell a young boy that's in Tottenham, relocate. They're like, what? I, I can't leave my, my area. You know what I mean? Like, you know, but I'm, I've been blessed to travel very young and realise you can relocate. You can start a new life. You can build. And that mm. is what needs to be told to the young kids, you know. Amen. Like, Facts, man. Yeah. You know, it's not, not their, their boundaries and and they can, they can, like, leave the coop, so to speak. So yeah, That's beautiful. Wow, man. Wow. Thank you so much, Franklin, man. I feel like, do you know what? Before we came on today, we we're kind of rushing about and that. But we're so I'm so glad that we fight like we got a chance to sit down and talk to you today, man, because Trust. you've you've dropped some real gems in this conversation, man. And I think when people listen back and, and hear what you got to say, they'll 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 really take it in, man. So thank you so much for coming. Um do you want, I was I was gonna close off, but I wonder if Steve wants to do it. You're gonna do it, Stephen. The- no, no, you're on fire today, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, shit. I'm just fucking around. You've been listening to the Out of Home podcast with your boys, Kieran, Yaf, Stephen, Kwame, and the one and only Franklin Boateng, a.k.a. King of Trainers. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> nah, you're welcome, man. Thank you so much for showing up. That was brother. so sick, man. Trust, Trust man. man. <laughs> Trust. Nah, on the real, it was it was it was very no. very dope for us, bro. You London boys are crazy. Hey, come on. Hey, folks. I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft tissues 
your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 